Hi, my name's Sean, and I'm here with my friend Nathan, and today we, for no particular reason, decided we wanted to talk about Nintendo games that we love that probably suck. Well, depending on who you ask, but for the most part, I believe that would be yes. I don't think they suck. Well, maybe one or two of them. Yeah, I'll, I'll give or take on that. Give or take. So, uh, we were just talking about Nintendo games. And we have bonded over mediocre things that we have nostalgia for that other people don't. And that's probably the biggest thing with the NES is it, it mostly came down to what you had. We've all been bitten by that nostalgia bug. And then it, the NES went through that hyper-popular cycle where, I want to say like 2005 to 2010-ish, like pinnacle YouTube before ads and stuff. And the popularity of the NES as a retro system kind of skyrocketed. And it was... 20 years old to 25 years old right in that sweet spot where systems peak in value and cost and so uh, i want to say that uh we started maybe seeing all of the good things that were out there on the on the video there was like more visibility to everything out there for the nes and maybe we lost sight of some of these crappy gems that were so important to our childhood that's well, my that's my sappy love story speech well i think it's also viewing these as an adult now as opposed to you know picking a game up from the rental store was a once a week deal and you got what you got without much uh you know knowledge of what you were taking home sometimes and uh you could have been stuck with a crappy game all weekend but you played the crap out of it because it's all you had and so i i mean i had a similar story the rental thing is pretty common but mine would be i was probably five years after the fact we didn't have rental stores. It would be what my mom found at a garage sale, what have you. But it's the same concept of, like, yeah. you get excited because you see it and it looks cool or whatever. You pop it in. You're like, finally, I'm up to game number 10 that I own. This is great. And then, you know, yeah. maybe it was Super Mario Brothers 3 or maybe it was one of the games that we're about to talk about. I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, in that case, hey, let's just get started. Let's jump into a game. Sure, so I, I think uh, just to kind of let everybody know, you chose three games, I chose three games, so... Uh, Maybe ones that we had a certain amount of awareness that we liked. Sure, sure. But maybe we accept aren't aren't great. Absolutely. Both played them for a few minutes, 10-15 minutes for me. One or two of them I played much longer, because I could, and one or two of them I stopped shorter before I threw the controller across the room. Sounds about like the same experience I had. Yeah, it was a good experience, absolutely. Yeah. Let's, but, be, let's begin with one of your games. Sure, let's begin with one of my games. I'm going to start with a good one, or at least one I think that is more universally good. Sure. And that I think if more people played, they would enjoy. And that's Heavy Barrel. And the Heavy Barrel is a top-down run-and-gun game. It was developed by Data East. Uh-huh. Did I get that right? You absolutely did. Excellent. Can you hit me with the remainder of the details? <laughs> sure, so I, t I took just general notes of these games just so I could kind of have them in the back of my head. And Heavy Barrel came out right on the heyday, 1987 from Data East, which made cool games like Bad Dudes, Robocop, Karnov, Burger Time. Yeah, cool was... games. That's See, I would say that Heavy Barrel is the best one of those. Is Really? Bad dudes, the controls are flipped. The A button, that's, the B that's button. That's true. And it seems like a small thing, but it's so hard to get used to. Carnival, I like. I like Carnival was cool. a lot. It's got a, a, a serious glitch or two that's ca that causes me grief. 
Burger Time, you probably like that kind of game, or you don't. It's it's a classic in its style, but going back to bad controls, RoboCop. I, I never played that one. That's one that oh. I've only experienced through it, Angry Video Gamers. Tr- trying to get the gun unholstered from the side of RoboCop was the most frustrating thing. That and stairs. So. I, I remember making fun <laughs> of the stairs. Yeah. I only lived that through him, and I, I mean, I understand to take that stuff with a grain of salt that he's saying, but I've also heard from other places that, yeah, yeah that's a pretty rough pretty rough time. So that's but kind of, that's kind of the quality of games you had from Data East at the time. Good playable stuff that kind of fits this category that we're talking about. But I personally would argue that I think that Heavy Barrel might be the best of that group personally. I don't know, do you have a favorite from that from that group that we just discussed or other Data East games that we're not thinking about? You know, I I've played them all and I'd probably say Karnov. Like I I like Karnov because it wasn't that uh, overwhelming difficulty you had from games at the time, but it was still challenging. It was kind of like Riger, but I don't know. It's own deal, and it's a bald, fat guy running around. So yeah. it's like uh, one person once told me about Karnov. He says it's like Mario, but with more Karnov. And I was like, that's <laughs> not oddly specific and also not helpful at the exact same time. Yeah. So so what'd you like? What'd you like about Heavy Barrel? I'm going to say that the reason that I picked Heavy Barrel is because some of the first games that I had as a kid would have been Commando and Akari Warriors, which, you know, a similar style game to Heavy Barrel, pretty limited, pretty slow. Yeah. Not the best looking or anything in particular. I'm not trying to bash those games. I don't like those games, but I'm not trying to bash them. I thought Heavy Barrel was a step up in every sense. It had better graphics. It had kind of this crazy Contra sci-fi to it but top down uh the guns were kind of bigger and wackier and in general everything just looked and felt more exciting to me as a top down run and gun and then there's also the fact i think it was maybe a hair easier than some of those other games i mentioned commando feels very punishing car warriors is is sort of broken hard in a bad way yeah but heavy barrel i felt like i could get somewhere in without cheating i can't beat it without cheating so i totally cheated this time to beat it just to play through it all uh but i feel like as a kid i felt like i could actually get somewhere with it i was gonna say another game it's like is gorilla war which was on nes also and i've I've played akari gorilla war you know and so on and so forth i have not played heavy barrel for some reason but it feels like a game you would play back in the 1990s Pizza Hut that had like the built-in arcade game. That's, That's like a, a good Data East uh, location in general. It, the, exactly. The, your hometown pizza place that had the old gumballs and a Data yeah. East machine somewhere. Yeah, and, and this was my first time playing it, so I had an idea what to expect. But I'll say this. I, I like the animations. The game did not get slowed down like a lot of NES games did at the time with everything going on with a busy screen. And the power-ups were actually good. And one thing I didn't understand is that the heavy barrel gun itself is like six parts you collect. And when you do that, you know, it's just like, well, you might as well kill everything. Even knowing having played this game as a kid... The first time I'm getting power-ups where the little piece flies off the screen and I'm not paying really close attention to it, and I get upset because I'm like, man, that power-up didn't do anything. Even, yeah. if, like I said, having played and enjoyed it. And it takes like two of those before I'm like, oh, wait, that's the heavy barrel. 
You mentioned Guerrilla War, and I think that's important to talk about because that's probably the most polished of those SNK ones. Yes. Right? You've got the three Akari Warriors, and I don't even know that all three of those were developed by SNK. Definitely published, but not developed. Sure. Uh, but Guerrilla Warriors, uh, Warriors, Guerrilla War was still slow-ish, but it was really polished. It's really good. That's a favorite of mine. Yeah. And I don't own it because it's very expensive. I like Akari Warriors 3. It is weird that you don't have guns. It's a run and punch for the most part. Sure. And it also is very slow, but it's, they're gonna, just a better element of polish. It's still a slow slog, but it feels better and less cheap than Akari Warriors. But this one just feels a little faster, a little bigger, a little crazier. And it's probably why it keeps me going back to it more than even Guerrilla War. Yeah. No, I, I could see that. I mean, I'll, I'll say this. So... It, they're very generous on the continues and just what you can get out of playing the game. My first time through, I made it to like the third level. I was like, well, that's not too bad. And that's kind of like my standard was uh, just on the regular continues and lives. And just generally, for I should mention, for as much video games as I play, I'm not good at them. I never have been. I'll never pretend to be. Uh, but yeah, that third level, like just to be able to put in a game, play through two and a half solid levels on whatever quarter you put in, whatever lives you start with, good feeling of accomplishment and you've already yeah. seen lots of power-ups lots of different enemies and stuff by that time sure well well you know that's the thing too is games were developed back then with what we consider insane difficulty but it was really kind of you know for the manufacturer's benefit in the arcade so when you play a game you know you're only going to get so far and they need the maximum replay value they can get so you know you're popping quarters in all day long you know, just just to get through it. I think this came out in arcades, but I'm I, not sure. I'm not. Po I I meant to look. I wasn't sure myself, so maybe I, I'm just saying that in generalities. Well, and Data East was all about arcade cabinets. Yep. I keep switching. I say Data East and the Data East. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sure that it was like I would, you know I'd be I would bet that it was, and I feel fairly confident that I read it somewhere. But it doesn't feel difficult enough. Like it must have been scaled. Uh, the appropriate maybe they're getting the feel of like hey when we bring it to the home port sure we don't have to hurt children anymore <laughs> you know we can ease up on that so we can we'll chill a bit on that i don't know because this one doesn't feel difficult to come direct from arcades yeah but what about you what did you like and dislike and i know i talk too much i'll try to lay back and let you get out your feelings what what, what did i like and dislike about the game yeah we're talking well, about likes what did you not like sure so what i didn't like is sometimes with how the game and a lot of older games had this issue with the screen kind of like scrolling, uh, you know, it could kind of bring in enemies and stuff. They, you know, you don't expect, and sometimes that feels cheap, sometimes it doesn't. When it doesn't scroll until you're too close to the edge it, of the screen. Exactly. Okay. And, I mean, that's that's just part of the territory. But really, I didn't have any gripes except for it felt like to me, like you said, less polished it, it was it, it was almost like uh somebody holed up for six weeks in a hotel room with lots of coke and programmed a game and said hey daddy east here you go which by the way ties into another game that we'll be talking Excellent. about tonight so we can segue into that one next we'll jump from that one sure sure when you, when you say less polished I, it's weird so when I when I talk about Guerrilla War, yeah, I do think of that one as pretty polished, at least for the NES, as to what they're able to fit. Oh yeah, and it feels more right and less cheap, and it's wicked hard. 
Uh, but that that game to me is in my mind a polish of like they did a lot of really good things really well in there. Heavy Barrel feels like a better game overall to me, but it, even if it just wasn't optimal for the Nintendo to try to handle screen scrolling yeah. flicker, uh, maybe just a little too goofy and out there, something that's maybe more eye-catching in an arcade cabinet. <laughs> um, it's a little bigger stuff to work with. And so, uh, yeah, I would, like I said, I, maybe not perfectly polished, and I would doubt that any of Data East's games are. But I really like the the combination of that a classic style that had been done several times by SNK and a couple times by Capcom. But then you get this kind of sci-fi contra spin, like you're fighting against aliens, right. and was, just a little it, bigger was, wacky. Was this one of those games you played as a kid, and you were just like, I love this game, or was it something you played later on? This one, my nostalgia probably is, is from childhood. Yeah. But probably mid to late childhood, not the earlier games. Like I said, I had just Akari and Commando sure. for a long time. Uh, but this was one that my brother and I would actually play and enjoy together. We would try to do it with Akari, and it was awful. Yeah, it's just the two players. It's just one person getting stuck in the rock and respawning in the rock. This is one that we actually both actively enjoyed playing together. So the compromise game that siblings always got to have in there somewhere. Nice. Later childhood, though. Probably not earlier. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Cool. You want to segue into one of yours now? Sure. How about we segue into the uh, six-week-long coke-addled game development of A Boy and His Blob, <laughs> which is a great game a lot of people don't know about. It's actually a piece of shit, but I still love the game because of its creativity, which had not been seen in very many Nintendo games at the time. I don't want to call it a piece of shit. Okay, but well, well, you could be like that possum that says it's my trash. Damn it! This game is not a piece of shit. It's it's a lovely game, and the only thing that is frustrating about it is playing it as an adult. I thought you were just gonna say it's playing it, and then you just <laughs> stop talking. Like, and <laughs> dot 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 <laughs> as an adult. But let me give let me give you the info on this one. Sure, sure. Quick. This came out near the end of. Nintendo's, you know, span. They're getting ready to start the Super Nintendo to go to war with uh, Sega. Uh, so 1989 by, uh, uh, I'm going to butcher this, Jalico? Polico? I always say Jalico, Jalico. But it's one of those that, like, how do you say? I don't know. Right. I right. always say Jalico. I don't really know. Right. And, uh, you know, as far as games that are like this, there really weren't any. I, I... Googled and tried to look, scratched the back of my mind. I couldn't even think of any. It's like a, it's like the same feeling as a point-and-click adventure where you have to be willing to experiment and click and try every different thing just and accept that you're going to die and mess up several times. Absolutely. But it's not, but it doesn't physically function like that. It feels like it, but it doesn't function the same way. Sure. Sure. Uh, so I gotta, I just, I gotta call it, like I said, I don't want to call it a piece of shit because it was so weird and different and charming. Uh-huh. It doesn't look good or, or sound super good or anything. Right. I guess the music actually is a little catchy. But it doesn't look or sound impressive or anything like that, but there's a charm to it. And it's so different. And you want it to be good because it's interesting and it's different. But then it makes you want to, like, rip your hair out when you're playing it. Absolutely. Now, real quick, the reason for it might be why... There was this guy named David Crane. He was a programmer. Uh, he, gosh, who did, he worked for several companies, but 
he's known for like Night Trap. He was the programmer on that. Uh, the Simpsons games on the Nintendo. He did all those. Uh, I know, interesting, interesting little tra- travel. But, but versus the world was not that bad. I, in know, my opinion, I know. In my opinion. But but what happened was near the kind not the apex of his career, but kind of going towards the top of it. He was he wanted to have total control, and so a boy in a blob was his idea, and he basically spent six weeks holed up in a hotel room. Doing away kid working 16, 20 hour days, you know, just, you know, just cranking it out. And he puts, he, he, uh, delivers the game and Nintendo officially licenses it two weeks later and it comes out. On first try? I feel like Nintendo always, they'd hack and slash and I, put the red I know, right? Over it. Right? Awesome. Well, he, he did revisions during those two weeks. Okay, okay. But, uh, it was one of those deals where it just, uh, you know, he kind of nailed it on the head, and they released it, and uh, people loved it or hated it, kind of like, you know, you were just saying. Uh, what makes a boy in his blob so good? And this is just from my perspective here as an eight-year-old. Uh, you have this blob that follows you around, computer-controlled AI. You feed it different types of jelly beans that make the blob do different types of things. It can turn to a rocket, a ladder, a hole in the ground. And just like you said, the game is all about trial and error. And you will die so many times. And you will get mad so many times. But you're also learning. And uh, there's no direction. You just get dropped right into the game like a lot of Nintendo games. And you just have to figure it out. I think Angry Video Gamer would refer to it as a, a WTF game. Right? Like, <laughs> what do I do? Yeah. Yeah, no, there's there's no controls, uh, no no tutorials. It just drops you right in, and you have two paths right out of the start in that game. I don't know how much you played, but you can either you start in the city and you can go down into a subway, explore the subterranean world, or you can take a rocket into some way off field. You know? I only did the one. I did. I didn't know there was a subway level. Yeah. Uh this was this is my first extended experience of this game. It's one of those that's odd enough. It's on the internet, uh it in form of reviews and things. Yeah. So I was aware of it. It's back there somewhere, I think. Sure. But this is my first extended play, so I didn't even know there's a subway. I got the rocket. And to your point with the like the trial and error, I like double tap the wrong button one time. And so when you do this rocket ship, there's an extended animation. Takes like fifteen seconds. Uh-huh. Right? And then I tapped it again and wasted a jelly bean and flew back. And so then I had to do it a third time. But it's one of those, like, as soon as I did it, I was like, this is how you advance. I finally found it. And I was so excited. So there's that gratifying feeling of I finally matched the jelly bean to the thing that helps me get to the next place. And it's a weird, even as a grown man, like, I did. I just kept trying until it worked. And now it makes sense to me. Oh yeah, it's... and then I flew back and wasted like a whole minute. Oh, that before. that yeah, that's the whole deal. Wasting jelly beans, man. Sometimes the the game is frustrating. In a way, it kind of reminds me of Out of This World on Super Nintendo. And it is cinematic in an NES way. You right. know, it's not Out of This World to that level, but it's the same. T- like, there's lots of smooth, extensive animation. Maybe not a ton of detail, but there's a lot of very fluid animation and kind of a cinematic pace to it. Uh huh. Yeah, and it, it gets frustrating too. Like I said, you can waste chili beans because your character, when you stop running, he kind of slows down to a pace, but it's not instant. 
So you really have to get, you know, in the right location to drop your jelly bean and hope that the blob isn't dumb enough to, you know, do the wrong thing. Mm. <laughs> I love the animation. The blob is very simple, but he is very responsive. Is that the right word I'm looking for? Like, yeah. he's not highly detailed. He's not super helpful or intuitive, but he is very responsive in, a, like, a literal way. Absolutely. But I love watching him eat the jelly beans. Absolutely. He's such a charming jelly bean eater. <laughs> and we're, so we're talking about these jelly beans, and maybe something I didn't pick up from YouTube videos is that the number of jelly beans that you just have to yeah. start with. I, I feel like I was always under the impression, like, oh, it's going to be a gradual. You're going to rock down the street, pick up, a, you know, 10 jelly beans, and then you're going to try one and see what it does. No, you start with 15 different kinds of jelly beans yeah. or something. Yeah. So for the first, like, 15 minutes of the game, you're just popping a jelly bean to him and writing down what it does. Exactly. You have to write it down. you, you got to try to figure out what it's doing. Sure. Also, like, it doesn't always, even when he does it, it's not immediately clear what it means or how uh -huh. it's useful to you. And so, your first 10 to 15 minutes of the game is just purely, like, experimenting and note-taking. Sure. And real quick on that, on a lighter note, they actually re-released a boy in his blog. And Wait, it's, right? it's on Switch. Switch? Oh, Switch? No kidding? Yeah. Uh, and it, it was does... there a Wii game, though? I feel like... I'm, it... so, I'm sorry. It, I have my notes here. It was a Wii. It, it was for Wii. My bad. Okay. Yeah, remade on Wii in 2010. The Wii is probably a good console for it also. You know, I feel yeah. like you could do some interesting non-invasive things with, with motion controls or something. Sure. I don't know. It's probably a good home for it. Yeah. Never tried it. Yeah. Well, going going on from that, not to slow down here, but I want to go back on one of your games now. And it was a game I had not heard of until you brought it up to me called Pipe Dream. Such a weird thing to bring up, but it's one of those that for as long as I've had a shitty webcam and a mediocre microphone, I'm like, i got to think of an excuse to talk about Pipe Dream. Or Pipe Mania, if you really want to go by the original no name. No kidding. Was it an arcade cabinet as well? Well, it was an original. It was created originally in also 1989. And uh, it was pushed out uh, before as Pipe Mania in the UK by a different producer. And then Lucasfilms Games picked it up for the American run of it. That was something I found very interesting. There's nothing about this game that feels like a game that Lucas would go, no, oh. I gotta have that. No, no, it's, it, it, it's it's such a weird game because, once again, you get dropped right into it, and this is my experience. I, right off the bat, I'm like, okay, this is a puzzle game, and I see I have different pipe directions. And right off the bat, I, I just did horrible until I actually watched somebody play it. How did you find this game? This is a... Can you remind me who developed it real quick? I, I didn't catch it. I apologize. I know you said Lucas bought it or for the public or took uh, over the publishing. I, I, I don't have... Okay. I, I did not put that down. I don't know who developed it, but it is. it was weird to me that Lucas picked it up. Anyway, I got this game for... I've, I've always wanted to do something for a video on this game, but I, I'm not good enough at it and there's not enough to it to like sure. make a full video or dedicate effort to. But I got it as a birthday gift and I got this game... And Funhouse. Okay. And so I didn't have many at that time, right? Just a handful, a couple handfuls. And so I popped them both in, and I was like, dumb puzzle game. I'm going to go play Funhouse. And Funhouse, I don't know if you've ever played that. It's like a 
crazy, erratic, stupid, hard, doesn't make any sense. It's crazy. So as a kid, it looked to me like it's going to be a more interesting game. But I just remember this kind of shift over time. Like, I trying fun house and like this is infuriating i'm not going to do it and i'd go play pipe Junior. like you know the music is kind of catchy oh this is a puzzle game that makes perfect sense like this is not a story but there's sort of a driving purpose and driving cause and so i just got to a place where it's like i I started to like the music it's you know there's they always talk about those games like it's easy to grasp but hard to master there's still limited options in this you can place a pipe or you can place a pipe over another pipe that already exists and like that's it that's the whole game yeah and it was just the first puzzle game that really clicked with me. Like, I had Tetris, and Tetris is great. I love Tetris more than this game. It's a better game. But this game had just sort of a unique relationship. Like I said, it had that dichotomy of Funhouse was going to be a better game. And then I just played Pipe Dream more and more. And it's like, I actually grew in this game. And at one point in time, I was pretty decent at it. Yeah, It's not a hard game. Once you... So maybe it was that first puzzle game that I was good at. Maybe, or good in quotes, relative. To my other puzzle games. Sure. Well, well, you know, as much fun as you had with it, uh, unfortunately, uh, the company that did create it, and it's on the tip of my tongue now, they went bankrupt, like, right after that. It's too they, bad. Who they did? did They did, like, two other games, and uh, I think it's called Assembly Line or something that did it. But even though that game pretty much, you know, lives on still through people like you and whatnot and other enthusiasts, uh, the mechanics of Pipe Dream have actually been in more recent games. Did you know that? No kidding. Yeah, Bioshock. Don't make fun of me. I've never played a Bioshock game. I've I never started, played Bioshock I've started either. Infinite. I've started Infinite, played maybe sure. 10, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, and I was like, okay, fine, I get it. But no, I've not played a Bioshock game. Okay, well, I'll tell you this. I haven't either, and I don't feel bad about it. Okay. But... It's basically reemerged as a mini game representing hacking or security system bypassing, not just in Bioshock, but uh, Saints Row 4, Alien Swarm, and a few other games. No kidding. Yeah, and it's just the mechanic of you basically have something that's traveling along and you have to lay down the path ahead. If you're hacking, it's like a piece of data or something like that. Exactly. And not only that, but in 1999, it was considered. uh, Best PC Strategy Game Award, and it was considered on par with Tetris or Breakout. That explains the Lucas part, the PC part. Yeah. They had a big grab, uh, grasp on the PC market, right? Yep. So if they felt like it had a chance to succeed, I can see them swooping in. Yeah. And then I was there's there's not enough here, I think, in today's age to be like, hey, that's a really good game or a really bad game. Like, it, there's nothing sure. functionally wrong with it. It's not that exciting. Sure. Uh, but there is. Pun, pun intended, there's there's a really nice, you get into a really nice flow of the game, and it's it's pretty fair, it's pretty random. It gets old quick, you can't play it that long, but there's something, I think what's big to me is the ability to replace, and you know, we haven't really explained the functions of the game, do you mind if I go into a diagram about how it actually goes? You have a timer that's like 30 seconds, and a starting point where fluid's going to start to fill up. So you're getting random pieces of pipe, and you can see the next one that's going to come along, kind of like seeing the next piece in Tetris. And you're laying out the pipe just to keep the fluid moving as long as you can move it. The longer it goes, the better it is. You get extra points for doing loops and things like that. So you're just laying pipe. And I think what did it for me or what makes it doable, what makes it playable, is that you can lay a different piece of pipe over top of an existing one. And it makes a little pop explosion sound. 
and doing that opens up lots of sort of crazy, risky, last-second possibilities. So even if you are just generally good and you've got an eye for foresight for all the pieces up and coming, being able to lay the new pieces over the old pieces, that, I, I don't know, I always thought there's something about it like, that can't be replicated in a Tetris or a Dr. Mario or these other styles of games. This is kind of the only way that that mechanic would work. It's very particular to that style of puzzle game, and I could never see it working in something like Dr. Mario or Tetris. I or... don't even, yeah, I don't even know how you would fit it in, sort of replacing a previous move yeah. with a new thing. So again, I, I talk a lot about this game with fondness. I don't think anyone can say it's a bad game. It just is a puzzle game that works. But it's one of those, I also, in this day and age, I would have a hard time recommending, like, hey, go play Pipe Dream, and they play it for like five minutes, be like, okay. Yeah. It's great, I guess. <laughs> yeah, all right. That's it. It's, there's no There's no extra abilities or no sort of u-turns that it throws at you it just what you get on the first try is the same mechanics that you get through the game it just gets faster what you see is what you get and as the game progresses you start to get additional pipe pieces that you have to run it through oh that's right yeah they start laying out those randoms for you and then you can't overlay those i don't believe and so those are locked and so uh, but like i said there's no different functions or anything so it just it is what it is. So that's one that I have. To, oh, I wanted to talk about because like, I can't tell you to go play that game in any other context. I'd be like, Nathan, you're going to love this game. I dro- I'd drop kick that game out of the room. Like, There's only one puzzle game for me on NES, and that's Tetris. Tengen Tetris or other Tetris? Tengen Tetris. I wish I had other. I don't have other Tetris, but I agree. I, I, Tetris used to be my morning coffee, and at one point in time, I could basically clear... Up to 123, easy. That's sick, no problem. man. And it was a great feeling, but now I'm old, and that's... Uh, the arthritis has overtaken us, man. Well, then my brain doesn't work anymore, also which is that. a great call-in to our next game. I was born I see in, what you did there. I don't know. I, I was born in the year of our Lord and Savior, Nintendo, 1985, <laughs> when it launched, and my very first game I got when I was four was Bad Street Brawler. And what's cool about Bad Street Brawler, or several cool things about it. One, it was produced by Mattel. And people are like, well, back in the 80s, Mattel made like Barbie dolls. They did. They also had their hands on making this one and only game. And right afterwards, you had top cats in the industry saying, Mattel has no business being anywhere around video games. They also they made did the Marvel, Barbie games. Marble Madness. And Marble Madness. Okay, which, to be fair, is not a good home experience. No, it's not. But what stands out for Bad Street Brawler the most is that it was one of two Power Glove games when the Power Glove launched. And in itself, the story about the Power Glove is super interesting. I didn't have one growing up, but my neighbors did so we took it and as you can imagine it's probably the worst experience ever most likely yeah but fortunately you can play bad street brawler with a regular controller and it's a slightly better experience Uh, this is where i have to jump in and say that uh, so at one point when trade post was closing down in topeka Mm -hmm. so i was at least 23 years old bare minimum i don't know what year it was but i was at least 23 the internet was a real thing (laughs) that i could have used and it's closing down. I saw Bad Street Brawler for like five bucks. I bought it. 
and I brought it home, and then in the upper right corner, I said, intended for Power Glove. I didn't know what Bad Street Brawler was, but I knew what the Power Glove was. I was like, I don't have a Power Glove. I'm not getting one. This game must suck. So I immediately resold it <laughs> right away. Didn't even pop it in or anything. So when you sent me this game, I was like, I was like, how do I politely tell him? I, I collect things, but I'm also a tight ass. I don't have a Power Glove. And I complain to you somehow, and you're like, you moron, in more polite terms, you can play this game. Yeah. Blew my mind. Oh, yeah, no, it's... Not the gameplay itself. The no, no. You could the, play it. the gameplay does the opposite of blow your mind. But <laughs> as, as, a, as a four-year-old who just got the Nintendo in 1989, I was like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> and uh, so just in case you don't know, Bad Street Brawler... And I think well, most people probably, probably don't. Probably don't know. Uh, it's a classic side-scroller beat-em-up. Uh, I, I wouldn't put on par with, like, River City Ransom or Batman. Don't you dare touch River City I won't Ransom touch with this game. You know why monster. I won't touch River City Ransom? Because you have an XY axis and how you can move. That's helpful. Yeah. Bad Street Brawler, you can go left or right. This is a platformer without platforms and instead it's like there's no there's no vertical movie you, you run into. Uh, Urban Champion is what it made me think of stylistically in that, like, it's a single plane. Yeah. It is a I don't need that's all I got. It's a single plane. It is an XY axis yeah. only. Or no, it's an X axis only. Pardon me. Yep. Urban Champion was as close as I could come up with, but it's way wackier and faster. Sure, sure. And Urban Champion, let's be honest, is way worse. Absolutely. Way worse. Absolutely. Now, the cool thing about Bad Street Brawler is you're this dude with a buzz cut. It looks like a poor man's pre staged Duke Nukem. Yeah, and uh, if you read the instruction manual, which. I had when I got the game. His name's Duke, and he was a oh, no ex, he yeah. was a break dancer, ex punk, here to clean up the streets. <laughs> and it's like we tried so hard on the story, guys, but this is where we're at. Was he a bad enough dude to save the president from ninjas? Yes, that's right, from ninjas. But every level starts out where you get to try out new moves, which you get new moves on each level. You get everything from standard kicks to headbutts to weird stuff like ear twist and pile drivers. I didn't like that. play far enough. Did those come back? Yes. Okay, so yes. eventually they kind of come full circle and e you get to pin things together. Everything is circular in that game. It all comes back. And uh, the nice thing I love about the game and something I still use is before every level starts, there's a quote. And I went through the quotes today and I realized... They're all tongue-in-cheek. They they aren't popular quotes. They're quotes that either the the programmers made up or, you know, just happen to be obscure, whatnot. The very first quote in the game is, Don't trouble trouble until trouble troubles you. That was my favorite part of the and whole game. My favorite second, experience second favorite was the quote. The second favorite part of the whole game, sorry. <laughs> Don't trouble trouble until trouble troubles you. Yeah. And it only... That's like a Mattel attitude. Like, listen, we gotta say something that's kind of stupid, sure, but it sure. still reads like a sentence. Yeah, no, it, it, it definitely... That's that's about the apex of the game, aside from the fact you find everything from dogs, dwar circus dwarfs, uh, gorillas, skateboarders, basketball players, uh, obese men that look like Marlon Brando on his last days... I didn't uh, make it to the basketball players. That oh, oh yeah, and it gets weirder. You get break dancers, 
the final boss, which when Why I was... Why is he cleaning up this? These people seem harmless. He's just like, no, uh, I don't want any uh, no, more I'm just, basketball I'm just, players or I'm beating up dogs. And I'm beating K- up to, he kicks dogs. Katie, so watched, me, Katie dogs. watched me play it today, and she's like, why'd you kill the Take dog? dog. I was like, it was on screen. It was a moving object. I'm sorry. This is the rule. Bad Street Brawler <laughs> hates your dogs. Exactly. Nate, so, for the record, Nathan does not hate dogs. I can validate. No, I love dogs. But this game... Absolutely hate the dogs because you can't ear twist them or the dwarves. They're too tall to... <laughs> so you're you're on a left-right plane. It moves pretty quick, uh, at least for this type of game, I think. You're used to beat-em-ups like your double dragons and sure. stuff where it's a bit of a slog. Sure. But it does move pretty quick, and there will be multiple enemies on, on the screen at one time. And Nathan mentioned you get different moves in different levels. So in each level at first, it's just like, hey, this button does this and that button does that. And I didn't get much farther than that. But the moves were funny. They were fun. They were different. It wasn't just a punch and a kick. My favorite part, I mentioned the quote was my second favorite. My favorite part of the whole game is that eventually, maybe level three, you got a Three Stooges punch. And so what it was... As you walk up and you get as close as you can to a guy, and then he does the the full wind up, and then wax. But it takes a lot of damage. As yeah. far as it looks yeah. hilarious, but as far as damage dealing moves go, it might be one of the better ones in the early portion of the game, at least. Yeah, yeah. I loved that part. That made oh. it. I was. I was. I don't want to say mad at you. I was mad at the game, but I was like, "This is outrageous. This it, is ridiculous." And the, then I got to that move. I was like. Okay. The game doesn't take itself seriously, and I Not forgot one of the notes I had in here in enemies you fight is a tiger. I forgot <laughs> you fight a tiger in the game. I, I have tigers, skateboarders, and, you know, maybe maybe this is the reason. Tiger set on you by Carol F. and Baskin, probably. I know, right? <laughs> and, and, and it was rated one of the 20 worst games on Nintendo. That is a, that is a terrible overstate. I, I did not like this game, but to say that it is one of the worst games on the Nintendo in any capacity uh, is... If you're going to put Bible Adventures above this... Or... Let's even think licensed, though, right? And okay, I gotta look back here. Even if you think licensed, I own maybe uh, 50 Nintendo games. Sure. I guarantee there's 10 games on that shelf of things that I have curated and personally own that are worse than Bad Street Brawler. I'm uh, willing to make that bet. I'll believe you. Yeah, so that that's an overstate. I w- it's, again, it's not something I'd recommend to somebody outside of something like this where it's more of a, hey, you got to try this just because it's different and it's goofy. Sure. sure. No, absolutely. But it's, but it's not bad. It's just different. Early. It's, it's early. Yeah. It was trying to appeal to this insane psychopath of a new controller, which... Ugh, I have. I don't even have a desire to try one. Like historically, I don't know. Yeah, it's, yeah, no, it's not. Rough. It's not fun. And and it was there again. It was trying something quite a bit different. There's no real good comp for it on the NES. If Urban Champion is the best I can come up with, and that's not close. So sure. I'm gonna give it some props for trying. Okay, well, I'll I'll say this before we move on. Uh, I loved the game as a kid. I spent hours on it. My mom knew the music so much that she could hum it. And my dad still remembered the game 20 years later. Uh, playing it today, it, it annoyed me. Because you had the general frustration with how Nintendo games were developed in some sense. But you also have some of that cheapness where uh, 
you know, you, you really have to be exact when you're doing that Three Stooges hit or You have another to wait till of, the last possible second, you, and then there's a long wind yeah. And the thing is, is I don't have those cat-like reflexes anymore, as my eight-year-old self did, so I, I got my ass handed to me. I'm sitting here. I'm just trying to think of all these bad games I own. Oh, I know, right? Yeah. You, you can think about them all night. I mean, I do. I own Funhouse. That's sure. up there. That's rough. Infiltrator. That's really bad. Akari Warriors, like the original Akari Warriors yeah. on the NES. I love that soundtrack. We talk a lot about mini bosses, uh, sure. rock versions of music, things like that. Sure. But that is a bad game. Not just AVG and bad, yeah. just but it's it's not a good game. Sure. Like, I got those there on the shelf right now. Bad Street Brawler would be fine it's sitting next to any of those games. Well, let's talk about a game you do like, and that's going to be... Let's not underestimate this. This is a uh, game I love. Oh, okay, your your idea of love is much different from mine. Love but... is a choice, Nathan, and I choose to love this. I choose to look <laughs> past its flaws every day. I wake up and I look at this game and I say, I love you, Wizards and Warriors. Exactly. 1987 by Rare and Acclaim kicked this bad boy out <laughs> when they should have just aborted it. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but <laughs> this this game, I hated it as a kid. I rented it for two weekends from Video Junction, and I still hate it. Playing it today with Katie next to me, she goes, what's the point? I said, man, this game's all saying an existential crisis, isn't it? Uh, okay. <laughs> Start from, Make from the case. a... A five-year-old Sean. This is one of those first ten games that I did have. So put yourself in five-year-old Sean shoes. You see a game called Wizards and Warriors. You're already into high fantasy. Already oh. like Dragon Warrior. That was one of the other ten games. Sure, sure. Wizards, Warriors. All right, cool. Yeah. Look at the box art. Muscular guy with like a battle axe. Scary-ass head in the corner just like this giant coast. Did you just look at the... Did you get a chance to look at the, the box art? The box art to me looked like Fabio wearing... That's two. Oh, okay. Did you play the wrong one? You might have played the wrong one. Oh, which, shit. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. No, I, pl I played the first one. The Purple Mountain one with Fabio on the box art is Iron Sword. That's Wizards and Warriors 2. Oh. One, he still looks like... Two is Fabio. Yeah. One, he kind of looks like Fabio, but it's a it's a hand-drawn art style. And he's got, like... It's more like a Rambo look. It's a massive battle axe in his hand. And there's a spooky... Like I said, there's a big spooky head in the corner. And the box art is probably my single number one top favorite box art of all time. And then you put it in, and you're a little confused, because you're just jumping. You got this weird springy, floaty jump. It's very slippery. You swing your sword like a, I don't know, I can't even describe it. Like you're kind of trying to pretend to be threatening to something, but you're not actually trying to hit it. Not full commitment, right? It's not full commitment. Everything <laughs> hits you or whatever. But what caught me then, so even got me through that disappointment that really truly exists with this game, but as a child, what got me through was that, first of all, there are infinite continues, and that didn't happen in a lot of games. So before I had the Game Genie, and being bad at games also, just inherently as a human, that was huge to me. Second of all, the objective did become immediately very clear. So I know you said, like, what's the point? But to me, it's like, I do understand. I get up top, I see it. It's got the jewel thing, it says 100. I gotta get 100 jewels. I see oh. treasure chests. I, got I, I didn't realize that. Okay, yeah, so when you get to the top, there's the, there's like a thing that you could jump down, but there's an angry red knight up there guarding it, and it just says 100, 
and it's got a jewel beside it. I saw the angry red is. knight, but I didn't know what to do about that. So it's, it's got it's just says one hundred, and it's a jewel, and that just clicked for me as a kid. I was like, oh, I gotta collect a hundred jewels, and I can just hit down there. I see I a treasure chest. I know I gotta get keys, and I know I have infinite continues. So at that point, it just became like an exploration of me. I'm gonna jump the highest branch on every tree. I'm gonna search every inch of this place, get as much money and treasure and things. Started unlocking items that made things easier. So even though it did not at all hold up to the box art, which is amazing, <laughs> it, it it was the right type of thing to keep my lack of skill going and engaged and interested. So I like formed this weird, strong bond with it. And I sh we should have clarified ahead of time. I think it's clear already. You and I both know that you can like something and it can also still be bad. Absolutely. Not even liking it because it's bad. That's a whole separate discussion. We can like something and have it still be bad. Absolutely. And that's that's probably the case here. Like sure. I said, I just had this weird bond of it's something that I can stick with and, and do and progress and feel that progression. Where I couldn't do that in a lot of the other games I had. Sure, sure. You know, it's, it's kind of like Troll 2. It's like, well, you tried, but... Yeah. You know, but I'll say this. Two things is, well, one, I want to preface this. LJN was the publisher for both Rare and Acclaim. They had the umbrella over them, which kind of equates out to the shit tier games that they did pop out. Mm -hmm. LJN. Absolutely. You know, any of the Marvel games were LJN games. No, we can't, can we just say that, like, Rare, first, Rare NES, I think a lot of people accept was not like rare that we came to know and love well no but it but still also, had the character like battle toads yeah battle i'm anti-battletoads okay it's, it's a it is an artistic marvel on the nes <laughs> i hate it because it's the opposite of all the things that we're talking about right now <laughs> they go in wizards warriors it is an artist it's a developmental marvel though i'm getting yeah. that but then like everybody's like rc Prime is you know what rc Prime is fine cobra triangle is fine like sure, but, sure. like rare was a different beast back then so you know even rare developing wizards and warriors in my mind gets a little happy it's like that was, that was a different yeah. that was a different day but rare. but that too also comes out to uh that game had a generally lower difficulty rating to it and that's what attracted so many people to it and the three sequels the and you know the other thing you can look at for i i like dragon warrior i like jrpgs and those games were just time investment can get you farther too so that iron sword the next mm -hmm. one with the actual fabio yeah. on the cover in the purple mountain yeah it's it's not quite as forgiving even so even though it's a similar style game with very similar flaws sure. even that one i would always set aside and go back to this one okay well i want i want to say one last thing on this that the music was by David Wise. And David Wise is a massive composer in the whole, you know, people who know video game soundtrack work. He's done Snake Rattle and Roll, Snake Rattle and Roll, Super Off Road, uh, Donkey Kong Country. You know, he, he's like a big cheese, just like Tim Fallon. Snake Rattle and Roll, another rare game, I think. Yep. It is. And, uh, I feel like, when he did the soundtrack like this for this game, his dog died or he was in a dark spot in his life or something. Cause man, this music, it just drones. I, 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 you might like it and that's cool, but man, I, you know, with the limited sound card capabilities of the Nintendo, sometimes certain game scores just kind of burn into your brain. 
this one is not attractive in game whatsoever. There is a uh, twenty second uh, string of openings credit music uh -huh. that I love. Okay. And there is uh, I love it. One of those weird things where I love hard rock remakes of that opening twenty second segment. Absolutely. It's just the opening screen. After that, the end level music maybe catches your ear like one time and then you realize how short of a loop it is or it's not even a short it's a very long loop but it's full of very short repetitive like hyper repetitive yeah. measures i think is maybe the right way to discuss yeah. or to word it it's a very long loop but it's very repetitive in and of itself or within itself and it is it's it's pretty painful to listen to but the opening i i would turn this game on as a kid yeah. I could just like sit and look at this the title screen with the ye old English style lettering yeah. and the awesome music, and then you know eventually yeah. I'd turn around and play it. Uh, I, I bet the music is rough uh, though. I'm agreeing. You know I, that's the thing though is I'm sure there's people out there who have covered it, or you know done arrangements of it. I mean you can find people's you know passion for that in almost any nintendo era game somebody's covered it's, it's popular now yeah out there. uh vomitron is the one that does the opening the yeah. rock version of the opening screen that i just I, I eat that up it's it's just not long enough like even that sure. you can listen to it once or twice and you're like okay that's very short sure and speaking of great soundtracks if you don't mind segue not at all go ahead one of my favorite nintendo soundtracks is from blaster master which is my third pick for tonight, just to kind of talk over. And Blaster Master came out in 1987 by Sunsoft, which also made Batman, Platoon, Gremlins 2. They made Platoon? Yeah, yeah. And, uh... Just, just curious, real, like, in a word, feelings on Platoon? Is that a word? That's fair. Okay. I was gonna say... <laughs> I was gonna say crap. Like, yeah. not an overly angry crap or anything. Uh, right. Just just, yeah, it's just one of those craps where you just yeah. gotta get it out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I got you. Okay. So anyway, Sorry to segue. No, it's alright. But Blaster Master, hands down, was one of my favorite games as a kid. And uh, playing it now, I still love it. The soundtrack is great. The memories from it are great. And there was so much that came along with it, too. For example, I wrote down here. Uh, they had a book that was written as more or less fan fiction that came out at the same time. And when you went to your Scholastic Book Fair as a little kid, you could get it. So, of course, awesome. I got it. And sometimes, back in the day when you had books that were based off of video games, they took some crazy liberties. I had a Sonic the Hedgehog book. Oh, okay. Yeah, All absolutely. Right. So, the, the Blaster Master book, solid... Whoever wrote it, obviously, you know, they loved the content and said, I am not removing myself from this. But the game itself was great because it was a complete side-scroller where the whole premise and plot is you're Jason, your frog gets around some radioactive material, grows into a giant frog, digs a hole. You go down the hole, oh man, you see a tank kind of machine you can drive around in called Sophia. And you drive that around looking for your frog. A jumping tank? A jumping tank. So here's the thing. And as a kid, my first thought process, I probably didn't get this one until later. Like, I could have easily been in my teens, like, sure. bringing the old Nintendo to college. Be like, guys, look at this Nintendo. You see the tank, and the tank hops. 
and the frog just ate something and got bigger, right? So you're like, oh, my frog turned into a tank. That's a little weird, but I'll bite, right? Yeah, yeah. Not until later do you realize, like, no, that really isn't the frog. Like, you always expect there to be this twist, and, like, that's a revealing moment. No, it never comes. Nah. It's just a tank that jumps in the hole where your giant frog jumped. Yeah. Doesn't sit well with me. I know that the Japanese version of the story is quite a bit different. Yes. Hopefully it's closer in line with what I'm thinking, but I yeah. can't validate if that's true. No, no a- absolutely. And that's actually, I think, what makes the game so fun is even though you're looking for your frog, you're going through all these worlds, side-scrolling, driving around in your tank, but you can also jump out of the tank as Jason to climb through areas the tank normally couldn't get to. And going into other sections... It turns into an overhead game, like a three-quarter view overhead, where that's basically how you end up fighting bosses in the worlds. And uh, something that is funny about games back then as opposed to now is when a game had a glitch back then after production, you just had to deal with it. That glitch or exploit was there. You couldn't run from it. And one of the very first Nintendo Power magazines they talked about the grenade glitch in this game where every time you fight a boss you launch a grenade right when it hits it you hold the pause button and it just keeps damaging it nice. and you you just unpause it and bam bosses the Mega are Man dead syndrome yeah I, I know right exactly so it 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 was definitely a challenging game and as a kid i made it halfway through as an adult i made it a little bit over halfway through and then i just gave up but that's fair yeah. yeah. This this game made me think of a couple things worth mentioning. First, I think relative to the other games you've talked about, this one is, is I'm going to say, pretty popular and pretty widely respected, like yeah. even outside of the hardcore NES, which, again, I, I wouldn't consider myself even a hardcore NES person. There's a lot of things I've never touched or tried. Sure. But I would say this is kind of renowned as a good, popular game in Sunsoft in general. It's And it's still, like, it, it has flaws but it does a lot of stuff extremely well you've got really good music the gameplay offers variety but in a way that makes sense it's not just throwing completely wacky stuff at you maybe think of rygar you know yeah, rygar, yeah. you start left to right uh, rygar was tecmo but you you start with like left to right platformer yeah in multiple rooms and things but and then the top down stages like rygar Sure. But then this one is just, it's even bigger, and it sounds even better. There's even more things you can do. It makes more sense. Um, I It's it's way too hard. I couldn't get anywhere in it. Me and Ian, a friend Ian, sat down and played it for quite a while today. I can't get anywhere in it without cheating uh, <laughs> at all, but it it's one of those games that's interesting enough that it doesn't deter me from trying quite a bit. Sure. It just does a lot of things extremely right, and there's no major turnoffs other than just maybe kind of general difficulty itself. Or forgetting where I left my tank. When I get out of the tank, I hit the select button, yeah. hop out, and go exploring. And then I don't, I can't get back to my tank. Well, you know, one of the hardest parts of the game is actually the first world. After you get through the first world, it's like somebody in development or something was like, Hey, let's uh, tone it down a notch, guys. And uh, worlds like two through five. You can just fly through it. We can like take a chill pill and it's going to be fine, guys. They're gonna, They're still going to enjoy this game. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, no, I mean, I never even scratched that. I got to, you know, the first overhead, uh, the fir- or one of the first, I guess there could be multiple out there that I missed. And, again, that kind of reminded me of, I was thinking a lot of Rygar. I didn't like in the overhead levels, 
I hope I can articulate myself well. I couldn't like get all the way to the wall and shoot. Is he like right? I'm trying to think if he's right handed. And it felt like I couldn't shoot all the way over to the left wall. Like it really did offset the gun slightly sure. to one side. Or there's something like that. It's like, well, you got to definitely play to that because you get all the way over to the other side of the wall, but then you can't shoot the enemies that are right along the wall. There was like a weird quirk like that that made me not like the overheads. Yeah. Quite as much as the yeah. rest. When I'm saying that, that is like a, the nitpicky right. thing. We're talking nitty gritty details. And and you're talking about a game that I, I think you kind of had the right idea. It did really well. And it did so well that they made a sequel for Sega, Blaster Master 2, which a lot of people don't know about. It's a, it's a weird one. And then after that, uh, Nintendo Wii released it on their vintage games deal. There's a PlayStation and, version? Yeah, and there is, yes, and there is a PlayStation version. And, you know, I I haven't played any of the others. I, I, I kept it at the first one, and I was like, I like this. I don't want the idea of it to be, you know, ruined. The the one on the Genesis I've never played, but if I'm not mistaken, it's harder to find. The yeah, one on the it's, a, it's a rare game. The one yeah. on PlayStation is in 3D, so it just feels like a totally different experience. Yeah, You can go by, right now, there's either one, if not two... Blaster Master Zero games on the Nintendo Switch. Yes. Right now, physical cartridges. Yes. Never tried either of them. Uh, I love the Switch. Someday I would like to try them because they're Blaster Master games, and that sounds like a good time to me. But uh, I don't. I couldn't even tell you if they're you know side scrollers or 3D or what. I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're they're interesting. I'll tell you this. We watched the trailer today for the new Switch one, and it had the most over exaggerated uh, narrator I've ever heard. Where it's, I'm not even going to do the impression, but it it was just even compared to like Wave Race sixty four guy. Yes, even more so than him. Oh my goodness, that's yeah. almost too much to handle. I, I, I know, right? It since off there's better. I like to recommend other places for people personally when sure. there's sort of good places for information. There is a Retro Warriors podcast episode where they go in depth on Sensoft, and it's just kind of an interesting company that maybe didn't pan out as good as you feel like it should have after the NES for what they produced. Uh, maybe some bad breaks or bad financial decisions or whatever. Sure. So yeah, we've got all these really high quality and some bums, but some really high quality NES games and then it just feels like Sunsoft and all properties associated with just kind of fall off the face of the earth and they start producing mediocre Looney Tunes titles in the 16-bit generation. Sure. Before going bankrupt, I presume. Well, I have it in my notes here, but you know, I think it was Sunsoft or one of the other games we talked about where the company was doing great and then in 95 uh, they happened to also sell like a paintball gun that had some kind of manufacturing defect that would seriously injure you, like shoot back at you. That's and, not a good time. And, no, and the company went from making $75 million a year to $7 million. And as soon as that happened, the president said, Oh, golden parachute, guys, I'm out of here. And uh, the company folded. So I don't know if it was Sunsoft, but it was one of these games distributors. That's and... probably the biggest, or like the most likely of the ones that we've talked about so yeah. far, right? Because Mattel, we all know about Mattel. Yeah. LucasArts, we know about LucasArts. Yeah. And, oh, no, this is a good likelihood that it was Sunsoft. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> I'm just Absolutely. trying to think of other Sunsoft games I have that aren't on the NES. And all I can think of is, like, 
bad Tasmania uh, Genesis yeah. and yeah. Game Boy games. Yeah, well, well, Sunsoft did make interesting games. I mean, like I, I really enjoyed Batman on mm-hmm. NES. Uh, it's got it's got some amazing music, and uh, it's it's frustrating, but it had really cool characteristics too. You found in later SNES games too. I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say it's probably not even a limb. I guess to say that Blaster Master and Batman on the NES probably top twenty five ish titles. I'd go Give there. Or take. I I'd think go that's, there. Uh, yeah, both immensely frustrating, but like in the good NES hard kind of way, or at least the expected way, not the not the broken, just trying to hurt your feelings <laughs> sort of way. Just standard <laughs> NES hurt hard. you. Yeah, yeah, standard NES hard, not Battletoads NES hard, you know? Yeah, yeah. No offense. No, for sure, for It's sure. back, I mean, it's, I, I got it, I just don't like to hurt myself like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I got you. And, uh, yeah, no, I, I felt like that level of difficulty uh, became easier to accommodate over time and find. But, uh, yeah, Nintendo was just the Wild West of difficulty, where all the games we talked about tonight, some were just crazy hard, some were just stupid hard, and some were like, eh, you know. So Wizards and Warriors is, it's not easy because there's so many enemies and they just swarm you and you're just yeah. constantly getting hit and it's, it's yeah. just, there's no breathing room. But the things like if it didn't have infinite continues, we'd be talking about it would be in the same category. It's just the continues that save you, you know. Did you ever have Game Genie? Not until later. Uh, So I keep talking about these like sort of levels. It's like all right, when I was really small, my brothers had the Nintendo, and you know we had maybe ten to twenty games. Sure. And then they moved out, and I had a stronger interest in it. So then we started acquiring these other things, Game Genies, a few more games that I would play with my younger brother. This one does not have great Game Genie codes, at least in the original book. Yeah. That I had, but it had enough to to boost you along a little faster. I gotcha. Um, I want to say one was like you started with the magic boots. Oh yeah, right? yeah. So you just jump in places a little easier, a little faster, which yeah. is the entire game. It it made some of these games more palatable <laughs> or easier to play, but you know, it wasn't always there. I'm not uh, not ashamed to say that I would happily I would play any game first without cheating for sure and then because it's almost hard to understand what the cheats are in the book if you haven't played the game but i was never one of those kids that would not i would happily just like no you know what this is really hard or i don't understand i'm gonna cheat i'm gonna get more out of this game and then sometimes it would help me get really good at the game uh over time really good relative to myself sure other times it would help me understand that a game was garbage faster and i'd throw it away it's like no i'm not missing (laughs) anything no offense werewolf Oh, that might yeah. have been a Data East game, wasn't it? Yeah. Werewolf, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Werewolf, you're probably fine. I haven't, I didn't play that one in this run through. It could be okay. But, but you know, not not to go off track here, but sometimes those game genie codes that they did have were just completely worthless or you know a waste of time. Like my favorite was on Super Nintendo. Mortal Kombat didn't have blood. Sega did, but on the Super Nintendo Game Genie. You could change the color of sweat to like seven different colors. So then you could have the green sweat and everything. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Just the other day, I was telling a friend about Super Mario Brothers three, and to this day, I still have the issue. I can get to level eight comfortably, even without the warp, warp whistles, for the most part. Sometimes it takes me some some painstaking throwing the controller across the room. Sure. But I'm confident in my ability to get up to world eight, and then I just I can't ever get through world eight. 
my favorite game genie codes of all time. My favorite combination was uh, Skywalker ability, so you could just keep tapping A and he would just jump yeah. constantly. Yeah. And then start and stay as the hammerhead Mario. Yep. So you get just the constant hammers and they kill everything. Yeah. And so that was like one of the probably the first thing I tried in the game genie because you go right to your favorite game in the book and you look at the codes and it's like I could pro if I thought really hard I could almost recite those codes to you. You know, it's like S V E K S Z and V or something like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You go right to your favorite game when you get that book. Oh yeah, absolutely. As a kid, you didn't understand what the book was doing or what the codes were doing, and you just thought there was a, you know, you, you expected to see an infinite lives code for every game. Why wouldn't there be? You could do it for this game. You, do, you don't really understand that it's unlicensed mm -hmm. uh, overrides, I suppose, is the way to put it. Yeah, and Nintendo took them to court over that, too. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they came out okay. Glue, yeah, They did. Well, it's just like with uh, video game rental stores, Nintendo took them to court and lost. And I think it was, they just said, hey, they're allowed to produce, you know, aftermarket experience changing uh, items, sure. so to speak. Yeah. That's a gaming historian. I think he's got a good Game yep. Genie episode. He, he does. Uh, I listened to that recently. And he, he's from Kansas City area. And uh, I haven't gotten to meet him yet, but there's like mutual friends that I hope to get to meet him someday. I think that'd be pretty cool. So right, cool. Right now, I think he's back in school, actually, pursuing okay. that history degree. Nice. Good luck, dude. Norm, <laughs> good luck, Norm. You'll never watch this. That's fine. Yeah. But, well, hey, we've talked a lot about these games that we like, or at least we used to. <laughs> Final thoughts, wrapping up? You know, um, it was nice to revisit some of these games again, because I thought to myself, uh, nostalgia will kick in, and I will love this game as much as I did as a kid. And, you know, fortunately, with the cold reality of life, sometimes those games aren't as fun, but some of it will always be burned into you. And I'll always have the quotes from Bad Street Brawler, the music from Blaster Master, um, just the uh, confused hatred for a boy and his blob. You know, those will all live on in me forever. And you'll, you, you'll always have something you can immediately say about one of these games we talked about tonight. I think, I don't know if it's it could just be me. I think games like this, with the, I'm going to give Blaster Master the exception just for being a significantly better game, but I'm going to say you almost need a, a weird excuse like this to go back and play these games because they're just, yeah. maybe nostalgia bug goes and you go sit down for five minutes or whatever, but for the most part, they're not games that I could recommend for somebody. <laughs> they're not going to show up on hidden gems lists or anything like that. But I still want like an excuse to go back and 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 relive some of that for whatever reason, and I like you almost need a, a structured environment like this to give yourself that excuse. So Ab absolutely, absolutely, and it's probably a good thing we didn't sit here and play them live, because it would have got just extremely frustrating, at least for me. Pretty vulgar, I would imagine. <laughs> One of the games that you recommended was Monster Party, which uh -huh. might be the hardest game I've ever played. It was, uh, I could not get through the first level. Yeah. Hands down, not at all without cheating. I absolutely, I played, and I was dedicated. It's a good game. I, I was dedicated. Played it like 20 minutes, just no advancement whatsoever. Yeah. Cheated, no. got farther, started to understand. Oh, yeah. Again, really long opening cutscene. Oh, yeah. Really yeah. Mo Monster Party is like a total fever dream crack induced nightmare all at the same time. It was a messed up game, but lots of fun. 
like 80s campy horror movie Absolutely. references and things and it's like yeah. we'll, we'll cover monster party and what were some other weird we would oh skater die 2 skater die 2 uh, no that is a genuine game i still love i like the overworld <laughs> i'll give you that was that what you called 720 Degrees? Uh, uh, that 720 was the second game I ever owned. And Is that Skater Die 1? No, it's a completely separate it's game. It's own different thing. And it, it? it's, it, I, I hate it. it. It induces PTSD in me. And I just like to pretend it never existed. Okay, well, if you're going to make me play Monster Party, I'm probably going to make you play Iron Sword. I'll totally play it. You're gonna play. You're gonna play with Fabio. I love that cover, and he's just got his, the way he's got his elbow up. So, so awkward and strange. And what other things can I subject you to? Those are the only like odd ones like that I can think of off the top of my head. Sure, sure. I'll go back and play Funhouse someday. I just made fun of it. Right now, I can't even remember what you do. I just I haven't played it since my childhood. Since I made that full conversion. Oh yeah. And so I'll go back and try a fun house or something like that and see if it can redeem itself. Well, why don't we just hate ourselves and play Silver Surfer, you know? Because I don't hate myself, man. <laughs> I have too much. You got too much to live for. I do. I have so many good things to live for. <laughs> so, but, uh, hey, I look forward to trying this again sometime. Like I said, it's a great excuse to go back and play these games that there's really no other good reason to go back and play. Absolutely. Well, that being the case, thanks for playing through these with me. Look forward to next time. Uh, thank you guys all for watching. If you have any suggestions of games that fit this mold that you think we should try, because you like them but you don't think most people like them, please don't hate us and please don't make us play crap. But we will probably be interested to hear what you've got to say. Mm -hmm.